Hey, don't take my notes. Uh, the, what did you say? Oh, okay. The story so far is this. Uh, we've been telling the one big story of the whole Bible. And the story so far is this. God created this world. Uh, in the beginning, God created the world and everything in it, and he made it uh, this place that was perfect for you and I to have a relationship uh, with him. The place was meant to be a place of human flourishing. But humanity, instead of believing God's word and trusting that he knew what was best for us, we chose our own way. And we call that sin, when we choose our own way over God's way. And that sin, that belief that, that our way was better than God's way, um, broke everything. It, it broke the relationship we had with God. It broke how creation worked. It broke everything. And the, the effects were disastrous. And instead of the story being about human flourishing, the story has been about the effects of sin in this world and brokenness. But God had a plan from the very beginning to reconcile, to redeem, to restore us back to him and all of creation. And the way he did that, he chose a man and his family, Abraham. And he takes his family and he says, I'm going to use you, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And through Abraham's family, God's going to bring about redemption, restoration. Now, if you know anything about Abraham's family, it's probably a lot like a lot of our families. It's a little bit jacked up, a little bit messy, not quite functional, maybe more on the side of dysfunctional. And we've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament talking about their messy, complicated story. And somehow, even through their sin and God's judgment on them, the story continues, right? Because God's love for them is unrelenting and his plan to redeem all of us is unchanging. And we finally get to the New Testament, to Jesus, right? Jesus, the Son of God, come to earth, came to earth, come, came to earth, and he lived the perfect life that none of us could, and he died the death that we deserved in our place so that we could have a relationship with God. And as we saw last week, he rose again from the dead, and hundreds of people saw it. We know it's true. To prove that he has power over sin and death. It was this incredible turning point in the story, this unimaginable shift in the plot, right, that Jesus was alive again. And that's what we're going to look at today from there. How does, how does this story go forward from there? What's the point? Why? Well, okay, great. Jesus is alive. What, what's next? Who, who are these people of God supposed to be? What are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to be about? What's their mission? What's God going to do now in the one big story? Because there's a lot left. We haven't quite finished the story and we're here today. So what is God up to? If you think about uh, cinematography for a second, right? We went and watched a movie last night, and it was great. But um, the story, the one big story starts like wide-angle lens. All you see is like black, and you see God, right? <laughs> Whatever that is, right? It starts really wide-angle, and then it zooms in on Adam and Eve. It focuses on them. But then it begins to zoom out onto God's plan of redemption as they broke it. And it, it gets bigger and bigger and wider and wider. And it's viewing the whole people of Israel. But then it, as through the Old Testament, it starts to focus back in, focus back in to where we've been the last few weeks on Jesus at the cross. And all you see is him. 
and that the whole point of all this has been to focus on him. So where does the camera angle go from here? And it's going to pan back out as wide as possible. Why? Because what happened at the cross and in the tomb wasn't just about the people of Israel. It wasn't just focused on a few insiders. No, it was meant for everyone. It was meant for everyone. And so what we're going to look at today is Jesus' last instructions. There's three places um, that he kind of leaves final instructions with his followers. So Luke 24, Matthew 28, and Acts 1. And they're similar, they're different. Uh, we're going to look at all three of them to talk about what is our mission as the church. So let's go to Luke 24 first. Luke chapter 24, uh, starting in verse 44. So this is after Jesus has been resurrected. Verse 44. Then he said to them, that's Jesus, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What's he saying? He's saying everything in the Old Testament was written about me. Verse 46. And he said to them, thus I'm sorry, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, Jesus, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So just the context for this story. Jesus has, has, went to the, has been to the cross. He has died the death in our place. And he has risen again from the dead. And he was, he was with his disciples for about 40 days, we know. And this is uh, just before this. He had, he had been walking on the road to Emmaus. You remember the story? Yes? Give me a little of this. Come on. You with me? The road to Emmaus, and there's these two people walking, and they don't recognize that it's Jesus, right? And he's walking with them, and they're talking about everything that's happened. And finally, they get there, and he begins to explain how the, old, the whole story of the Old Testament was about him. And then they realize it was him, and then he disappears, right? So he opens their mind to understand the scriptures. And right after this is when he appears to these in the upper room. Now, I don't know what that would have been like. We don't know all that his body was. We know he could walk through walls and disappear and all that stuff. But the disciples are amazed, right? He's, he's in the room with them, and they're having this conversation. And it says the first thing that Jesus did in verse uh, 45 was he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, just like he had to the two people on the road to Emmaus. And what he was saying was, Man, you got to see this. The whole story has been about me. Everything up to this point has been about me. Uh, that's arrogant for any of us to say that the whole world was about us. But for Jesus in that moment to go, everything, God's plan of redemption was me. And he's opening their minds to understand how God's one big story is really about Jesus. Right? And so for us today, what we need more than anything is that. We need to have our minds opened to the scriptures. We need to see that the one big story of God's redemption is all about Jesus. It focuses on Jesus, and he is the point. He is the plan. That's partly why we've done this series, and we've belabored through some, some history, right? We've gone through some, some messy Old Testament books, right, to get to this point to say this, that everything is about Jesus. 
He is the plan. He is the point. And he is going to give us our mission. So he's about to leave them. He's about to ascend into heaven. And uh, he doesn't leave them without instructions. He gives them their mission. And what was the mission that he gave them that we just saw? If you look in verse uh, 48, he says this, you are witnesses of these things. And he tells them that they should go and proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins, right? The mission that Jesus gives them here in this passage is to be witnesses to the world, right? So if I was an attorney today and I was presenting a case before you, the jury, I would bring uh, witnesses forward who had seen the crime happen or had had knowledge of the events, right? I would bring them forward and they would sit up here and we'd ask them questions and they would answer, right? They would tell us what? Exactly what they had seen, right? That's what witnesses do. Whatever they have seen, they tell. And that's what Jesus is saying our mission is, is to be witnesses because they not only, uh, they're witnesses in a different way than we are. They actually saw his death. They actually saw his resurrection. And he's saying, you are to go out and to be witnesses. Tell people the world this happened. Tell the world that this happened and proclaim what? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. Right? The same mission that they get is the same mission that we get. We are no different. We are called to proclaim to others what we have seen in God's word, what we have experienced in our lives. We are called to be proclaimers, witnesses. Witnesses don't get on the stand and go silent, right? right? They don't just sit there and go, yeah, sure. Right? Witnesses are there to, to speak. And he says our mission is to be witnesses to the world of the good news, that Jesus has come, he has died in our place to make a way for us to be with the Father. Now, what's the scope of this mission? Who does it include? Who is it supposed to be about? Uh, he says in verse 47 that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in Jesus' name to who? who to who? To all nations, right? Proclaimed to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, Jesus didn't come to this earth, endure a brutal death, by lawless men to just save a few insiders, right? He didn't come and do all that he did, give up his divinity, come and live the perfect life and die in our place just to save this little handful of select insiders, right? No, no, he did all of this so that all, all the nations might come to know him. Uh, that word nations, we think of like Iran and China, in the United States, and that's not exactly what he means. The word is ethnos, which we get our word ethnicity from. So what he's saying is that the gospel is not just for white people. It's not just for Hispanics. It's not just for black people. It's not just for Iranians or Chinese or the Arabics, the Arabs, Arabics, Arabs, right? The gospel is for everyone, right? God's heart is not just for this little group of people on the inside who think that they're the insiders. No, the gospel, the good news of salvation was to be preached to all the nations, all the ethnicities, right? But he also says beginning from Jerusalem. So there's this, there's this tension, right? Because, okay, we're supposed to go reach the ends of the earth, but we're also supposed to reach here, right? And we feel that sometimes, like those are competing. They're not, right? They're both and, right? We're supposed to reach here and there, right? Because if we don't reach here, who is? 
And if we don't reach there, who is, right? So the, the scope of the mission is all the nations of the world. So for us, that starts right here. We as Huntington First Baptist Church are responsible for our town, right? About 9,000 people call themselves residents of Huntington. It's a lot of people. You know how many are not saved? Probably about 70% of them, 75 by our best guesses. So about one out of every four people you meet, sorry, three out of every four people you meet in a given day in Huntington, Texas, probably doesn't know the Lord. Right? We have a huge mission field here, but we also go out. Right, Our pastor is in West Africa today, right this morning, right? and he is seeking to advance the gospel there. Right? We, we have this call to both here and to there. That's the scope of the mission. Does anybody hear that and go, wow, that is, that is impossible? Yes, I mean, I feel that, right? 8,000 people, that just feels like a lot. And there's 8 billion people in the world. That feels like even, whew, I'm getting a little stressed just thinking about it up here, right? What he says here is he's going to not just give us the mission, right? But he's going to give us the power to do it. Here's what he says. The power that he gives us is the promise of the Father. It says in... um, Verse 49, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. So stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So here's the, here's the deal. God is not asking us to do something that we are not capable of doing. He's telling us, go make, go proclaim me in all the world. And he's not just going, good luck. You know, hope that works out for you. No, he says, I'm giving you the power to do it. It's the promise of the Father. We find out later, this is the Holy Spirit, Okay. Now, we as Baptists start to kind of like cringe a little bit when we say the Holy Spirit, right? We don't know what to do with that sometimes. Let me tell you this. If you read the book of Acts, as we're about to start, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to do this, to accomplish the mission that God has given us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not primarily to make us feel good. It's not primarily to confirm our salvation or help us speak in other languages. The The purpose of the Holy Spirit is this right here. That, that stuff may happen, but the purpose was to enable them and empower them to do the mission that God had given them, okay? And so we as Christians, if you're a Christian in here, you have the Holy Spirit. It's not something you get later. It's not something God gives to a select few of, of, of really uh, bright, shining Christians, right? The Holy Spirit is God with us. And if we're in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And you have been empowered to go and fulfill the mission that God has given us, which is what? To proclaim forgiveness of sins to all the nations, right? Flip back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Philip, I'm running short on time. Can you move that clock back just a little bit up there? Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 16. Second time that Jesus gives them their mission. It's a different instance. It's not the same. Different words, but it's going to have the same content, okay? Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So this is a different story. Uh, Jesus uses different words, and that's okay. We don't, they don't have to stand in conflict. Um, he's giving them a fuller picture here, and this is the one that we probably rely on the most to define what our mission is. Um, what he says here, the mission that Jesus gives them is what? Come on, that's a question. What is the mission that he gives them? To make disciples, right? There's, there's four verbs in that command in verse 19 and 20. There's go, there's make disciples, there's baptize, and there's teach. Okay, so which one of those is the command? It's to make disciples. And I don't have, not going to prove it to you in the Greek, but I promise you it's true. The main verb is make disciples. And then there are three that kind of complement that. The, the umbrella is make disciples, and then the things that fall underneath it are the other verbs, to go, to teach, and to baptize. Sorry, sorry. I'm the one preaching, not y'all. Um, so the main, sorry, that was rude. Uh, the main mission is to make disciples, and the task of that are baptizing, teaching, and going. Right? The mission is the same. It's witnessing, proclamation of forgiveness, right? But it's making disciples, okay? So stick with me here. So if the mission is making disciples, and there are three main tasks in that, baptizing, teaching, and going, right? Then we can't be content to just do one of those under make disciples. Right? We can't just baptize a lot of people and go, hey, good luck, right? That's not accomplishing the mission that God has given us. We can't just be a church that sees a whole bunch of people saved and then nothing else, right? If we're not also teaching them, right, there has to be an element of teaching. Now, the word we use uh, more frequently than teaching is discipling, right? We, want, we don't just want to see people saved. We want to see people discipled. We want to see them grow in their knowledge of God, their love for God, obedience to God, but that's also not the end point, right? There's three under there. Baptized, which is equivalent with saved. We want to see people saved. We want to see people taught. We want to see people discipled. But then third, we want to see people go, right? All three are important, right? We don't just want to see people baptized. We want to see them discipled. We don't want to see them discipled and, hey, let's get in a bunch of big room together and hang out each week. That's not the point of this. The point is then that we would go be witnesses to the world, proclaim to the world, tell people of the hope we have. It's not about us in this room and how many we can get in here. No, it's really about us going and making disciples, telling other people of the hope we have. The scope is the same. The scope of the mission is the same in this passage. It's all nations. He says, or all ethnicities. It's not just for the insiders. It's not just for whoever we look like, whoever we like. No, it's for everyone. Those who we think deserve it and those who we think don't deserve it. It's for everyone. And the power is the same. If you see it at the end, he says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Just as before, the power that he gives us to accomplish the mission is God with us. Before he said, I will send the Holy Spirit to, to empower you. Here he says, I will be with you. And yes, that gets complicated in our Trinitarian theology a little bit. But what he's saying is this, is God will be with you. And if you're going to accomplish this task, if we are going to reach Huntington and the world with the gospel, we can't do it ourselves. We are not smart enough or gifted enough. We need power inside of us. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. And he says, I will be with you till the end of the age. 
Now, here's an important, I think, and unique thing to learn from this passage. There are lots of activities we do as a church and as, as Christians, right? There's a lot of uh, unique uh, activities. We love busyness. That's like American priority number one is to be busy, right? If someone asks you, how are you doing? Man, we're just so busy, and we wear that like a badge of honor. You know what I'm saying? And we love busyness in the church, too. We love activity. We love to feel like we're doing something. And I think what he's trying to teach us here is that we can get caught up in so many activities and so many things that are good, not bad, but they're not the main thing, right? I think about my toddler when I say this. Hudson is awesome, right? So just I'm putting that out there. Hudson's amazing. But if I tell him, hey, bud, get your bag and go in the house, right? Those are two commands, real simple, right? Shouldn't be hard. Grab your bag, go in the house. You know what he does between the car seat and the house? You know how many activities he does? 40, 45 probably. There's dinosaurs, and there's Paw Patrol, and there's his sister, and he's concerned about the gummy worm that's stuck to the floor, and he's busy from the time he gets from the car seat to the house, but he's not really active in doing what I asked him to do, which was to grab your bag and get inside the house. You hear what I'm saying? And we can be the same way. We may be meandering kind of towards this mission that God has given us to make disciples with all these other activities and this ADD that we have. But what he's saying here is we need to focus on three things. Seeing people saved, seeing people discipled, and seeing people sent to go and make disciples. Now flip to Acts 1. Flip to Acts 1. The last time Jesus gives them this this commission, this command, gives them their purpose. Acts 1, 1 through 11. It says in the first book, O Theophilus. So Luke writes this. It's part 2 of his gospel, gospel of Luke is part one, Acts is part two. And he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, the guy he's writing to, that I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he starts his book the same way he ended Luke. He starts Acts, and he just reminds them, Hey, here's, here's everything Jesus did. Remember, he came, he lived, he died in your place, and he rose again. But he told us to stay. He told us, Sit still, I will send you the power and I will give you the mission. Verse 6. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know what this conversation was like, but I'm trying to picture it. So they're with Jesus, and they're talking to him, and he's risen, and they are, they've got a lot of confidence in this moment, I think, right? 
the guy that they kind of banked their life on, yeah, he was killed, but now he's alive. Like, they've got some boldness to go forward, right? And so they're kind of, I think, starting to think about some future plans. Hey, what, what, how could we use this for our good? <laughs> and so they come to Jesus with their idea of what they should become, of what they should do, and how he should help them do it. You hear that? Because here's what they said. Their big idea was they wanted, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And what they're saying is this, we want to be on top. We've been the underdogs for years. We want to rise to power. We want to take revenge. We want to do this and this and this. Hey, Jesus, you want to help us, right? They come to Jesus with their plan. They come to Jesus with their mission, with their purpose. And they present it to him. And they're like, hey, come on, bless it right here. I mean, do you see how messed up that is? How arrogant that is? The man who, who sacrificed everything for them and then to come to him and be like, hey, I got this thing I want you to do for me, right? Hey, here's what I want to become. Will you bless it, right? And we can do the same thing in church or in our own lives that we, we come to God and say, hey, you know what? We want to be the church that does this. God, come on, bless it. We want to be, we want to be known as this. Come on. We want our kingdom to be like this, right? Or individuals, we come, God, I want, I want to be the top of this, or I want to, right? We come to God with, here's what I want my life to be. Here's what I want. Here's my goals. God, I'm praying that you bless it. And what Jesus does is put them in their place. He's saying, you don't get to call the shots. You don't get to decide what the mission is. The mission is really clear, and I'm about to give it to you. And here's what he says. The mission is not about you being great. It's not about us. The mission is this. Verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? The kingdom, the, the mission that God has given us is not for us to decide. We don't get to come to him and say, you know what, I really want this. Will you bless it? He's given it, and it's really clear, right? Hudson doesn't get to, now, Dad, I think I want to uh, play outside right now. No, bud, it's time to go inside. Come on, right? Or, Hudson, you need to clean your room. Now it's time to go pick up. It's time for bed. But, Dad, I really want to watch Paw Patrol, right? That's a, that's a nightly conversation in my house, right? Does he get to call the shots? Sadly, no. <laughs> and if he does, that's not good, right? Like, we don't, we don't know what's best for us. That was the essence of sin in the beginning in the garden, right? That we thought we knew what was best. And for us to come to God and say, you know what? Here's what we're going to be about. Please bless it. Is the same thing as in the beginning. To say, you know what? I know better than you, God. That is arrogant and sinful. What we need to do is to come to God humbly and listen to his word. And what he says is the mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. The scope, is, as he described here, was he gives it a little different language. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's just a, uh, if you're a visual learner, it starts with little circles, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? He says, the mission is not just for the insiders in Jerusalem. No, it's not just for those who we like and care about. No, the mission is also supposed to include those on the outside, J Jerusalem was their people, their, the people they understood and they got, right? 
Judea was people that were close to them, but not exactly the same. It'd be like the difference between Aggies and Longhorns, right? It's like, we kind of get you, but not really. We think you're maybe worshiping a cult, but, you know, like you're a little bit different, but kind of similar. Samaria was people that were a different country, different region. They had different backgrounds, different beliefs, different everything. They were foreign to them, and to the ends of the earth was like, whoa, those people are super different. And he says, the scope is not for the insiders. The mission is not to just make disciples of the people you like. The mission is to make disciples of all nations. This has been the mission of the church since this day. To go and see people saved, to go and see people discipled, and then to send them out to go and do the same thing. And you and I, in Huntington, Texas, sit in a church 2,000 plus years later because some people actually were obedient to this. Right? Ever thought about that? This movement didn't die. It didn't just flare up and, oh, Jesus was a great man like Gandhi or like whoever. This movement continues forward, and you and I sit in the church, and, and among millions of people in the United States and among maybe billions of people in the world that have been moved by the truth of the gospel because people were obedient to this mission to go and make disciples of all nations. So the question today is not really what. I, I, to be honest, I haven't preached a sermon that you're unfamiliar with, most of you. But I think maybe what we need to hear is starting in verse 9. Verse 9, 10, and 11. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes, angels probably, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Again, Gary, Gary Litton and I have talked about this a bunch. What would it have been like to see Jesus ascend? And I can't imagine what it would, would be like to be there that day. But that day, Jesus has made it clear. Here's who you're supposed to be. Here's what you're supposed to do. And as he goes into heaven, their initial reaction is this, is stand there and go, whoa, right? They're just standing there. And I don't, I don't, it don't, scripture doesn't give us timing on this. I don't know if it's minutes. I don't know if it's hours. I don't know if it's days. But they're standing there watching and not doing what God's told them to do, right? And these two angels come, and it's, it's almost like this little, okay, come on. I have to do that with Hudson all the time. Okay, bud, come on, come on. I just got to grab his, grab his backside and come on, let's go. Not a spanking, but just a, come on, let's go, right? Let's go. You, okay, I told you, let's go, right? And these two angels that day stand there, and they're going, he ain't here no more. And he's going to come back one day like that. You can stand here all you want. You're not going to be here for it. Let's go, right? This is a proverbial kind of kick in the pants for them, right? This is not, uh, they're just standing there waiting, wasting, and he's saying, come on, let's go. And I think maybe more than anything, more than even knowledge of what the mission is, that may be what we need more than anything today, is a little bit of a kick in the pants. A let's go. Come on, what are you doing? Let's go, right? A little push, a little shove, right, to get out there. Like, we know what we're supposed to be doing, right? We know it. Right? I've, I've not preached anything unfamiliar to most of you. Let's go and make disciples. Let's reach our town. 
Let, let's see people saved. Let's see people discipled. Let's see people sent, right? All those things. That's not unfamiliar. But maybe what we need is just like those angels is a little bit of a kick in the pants. That, man, this isn't about us. This is about reaching people. This isn't about us at all, about our kingdoms and our agendas. No, this is about seeing people saved, discipled, and sent. And so as we finish up, I want you to think about that. That's the mission of the church. If, if number one, you've never been saved, right? You can't be about God's mission if you're not in God's family. You can't be about God's mission if you're not on God's team, right? So if you've never become a disciple, there's no way you can make disciples. So if you've never been saved, my hope is what we read in Psalm 34, that you would taste and see that the Lord is good, and you would give your life to following him. I would love to talk about that with you today or some other time, but that's number one. Number two, if you've been saved, but you're not going with the other two, being discipled and being sent, then that's your next step, right? If you've been saved and you got this relationship with God, it's just like you're standing there just looking into heaven. Right? The goal is not to just sit here and wait until Jesus comes back. The goal is to grow in godliness. The, grow is to, the goal is to grow in your knowledge of the word and, and love him more, obey him more, walk with him more. And so if, you have, if you've been saved but you're not growing in his word, man, join a life group. Join a D group. Get with somebody who's further along and let them help you grow in the knowledge of the word. Right? You're supposed to not just be saved but also be discipled. Right? And if you're like, I've been in church, I've been saved, I've been in church a long time, I know God's word, I know what this is like, then are you being sent? Are you actually going? Are you actually using your influence and your uh, circles of, of friends and your family? Are you actually making disciples there? Are you being sent? Are you going? That's the question today. And if you are doing all three, right, you've been saved, you've been discipled, and you've been sent, praise God. Keep doing it. There is nothing more worthwhile for your time here on this earth than to see other people grasp the goodness of God, to be saved from their sin, to be rescued out of darkness, right? Keep going. Don't give up in doing good. Because that is the mission that God has given us. I want to pray for us. If you would, stand with me. We're going to have a time... To respond, let me pray for us. God, I pray today, um, again, I, I don't feel like I've said anything that's revolutionary. I, don't, I haven't said anything new, probably. God, but I pray that more than anything, this would be a little bit of a kick in the pants, God, to get us moving, to get us going, to be about the thing, the main thing that we're supposed to be doing. Not all these other side activities, not everything else that takes our time. God, but God, may we be convicted that our life is meant to be about the mission of God. Making disciples of all nations. Seeing people saved. Seeing people discipled. Seeing people sent out to do the same thing, God. God, may you encourage us to, to be filled with boldness to go forward. God, you've given us your spirit to empower us to do that. May we not doubt that you've given us the power to do that. And so I pray that we would step out of, of where we're comfortable, God, of the insider circle, God, and reach out beyond that to people who don't know your goodness and your gospel. God, I pray that you would be with us. Uh, we love you. We pray all this in your son's name.